Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Pray over the Word of the Lord and we're going to allow you to be seated and then we'll just move forward from there, can we? We thank you tonight, Jesus, for the privilege to be able to come into this house. We have not come tonight to be seen and heard of men, but we've come here tonight, Lord, to worship you. That is the foremost thing in our mind. And Lord, in our worship, we're going to break the bread of life and we're going to ask you tonight, God, to let the word, let it become life to us. Not just words on a page, but I pray, God, that it'll become the very lifeblood of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. It's not uncommon for physicians to prescribe medications for various things that we may encounter in our bodies. Many times that is distributed to us either in a pill form or in a syrup form. There are times when the situation is necessary that it's not sufficient just to take a pill or just to swallow a couple tablespoonfuls of something. But we're going to need something intravenously. And so whether it's in a doctor's office one time or whether it's an admission to the hospital for a few days or nights. So my prayer tonight is not that we would just let the word become something that we just take. And I've asked the Lord, would you just hook us up spiritually? Amen. Let the word become a part of the very lifeblood. Amen. Just Not just something we hear and consider and decide whether or not we'll apply it to our hearts later. But just let it become a part of who we are as men and women, who we are every day. Every year we promote a systematic plan for reading our Bibles through each calendar year from January to December. Through our Sunday school department we make the BREAD program. BREAD simply is an acronym for Bible reading enriches any day. And uh, we have made that available for several years and, and still continue to do that. But of course, there are many forms available, many uh, tools available to read your Bible through, whether it's the bread program or a lot of electronic devices. Uh, I know many people have moved into that world, and, and uh, including myself, and so I generally use that. So whatever you use, I trust you're making an attempt to hide the Word of God in your heart. That is the goal. Today... I finished reading the book of Proverbs this morning as a part of my annual trek through the Bible. And I've once again been refreshed by the words of Solomon and his, his words of wisdom and how applicable they are to our lives today. Several times along the way through the last several days reading the book of Proverbs, I couldn't uh, shake the idea of just teaching from the book of Proverbs. And... Um, so I want to just take a few Wednesday nights and 
and set them aside and let's just make a journey, not necessarily verse by verse, but make a journey through the book of Proverbs. Solomon speaks about wisdom in many facets of our life. And so through this study, we're going to look at various ways we can apply the wisdom of the Lord to literally almost every area of our lives. And uh, so wisdom as it relates to our spiritual lives, and Solomon speaks about that. Wisdom relates, Solomon rather relates to wisdom uh, even as it concerns other more secular parts of our lives, whether it's our jobs or our relationships or our finances. And and, um, I am confident that I'm not alone when I say this, that no matter how many times you've read through the Word of God or no matter how many times you've read a particular book or a particular chapter, isn't it amazing when you revisit that to discover verses that you say, well, I didn't even know that was there. And, and uh, as I've said many times, we have evidence or proof that we have been there. There's marks in our Bible or check marks beside the little scripture where we read. But the book of Proverbs, even though it was written some 900 or 950 years give or take, before Christ, to think about an, a word that would be that ancient, and yet we find it more and more applicable and relevant to the days that we live in now. And so I think that alone is just, just worth considering. That in itself almost seems impossible. How could something from that particular period of time relate to us today? And the, I think the common thread through all of that is, is this is words of wisdom as it relates to man. And in all truthfulness, man hasn't changed all that much. We still fight the same battles and face many of the same things. The Bible teaches us that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. He compiled a collection of wisdom that he had accumulated over the years, and much of that has been preserved in the book of Proverbs, but certainly not all of that is in the book of Proverbs. History teaches us that Solomon himself wrote more than 3,000 Proverbs. And so this is obviously just a portion of the things that were both written by Solomon and or things that were gleaned by him. And uh, I think I would like to say this tonight at the outset and perhaps try to mention it every night, that the book of Proverbs is just that. It's a book of, uh, it's a book of principles and not necessarily a book of promises. Amen? And so I think it's very, very important to remember that. And uh, that was enlightening, at least to me, to, to, uh, to discover that. that it, it helped to me, it helped that book and many of those verses make a whole lot more sense. That they are not necessarily promises, but they're principles that we can live by. The reason for this book is given in its opening passages, and I would just like to read the first four verses here tonight of Proverbs 1. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to subtly, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. And so in other words, I think what we have presented in these first few verses is the fact that Solomon said, I'm going to share with you some principles of life's wisdom and I'm going to put them on a middle shelf where anybody can reach them. Amen. I don't say this critically, I just say it factually. 
that sometimes I've been to meetings, whether it was church meetings or self-help seminars, and, and the people that were speaking just placed theories and ideas over my head. Amen? It would really make me feel really not quite so dumb if you'll just at least nod right there. And I just thought, wow, I, I don't even know if I can, I don't know if I own a ladder tall enough to reach up and grasp some of those concepts or ideas. And so I frankly am always moved by things that, that seem seemingly people put within arm's reach. And that's what Solomon is saying. He said, I want to give you words of wisdom, instruction. These are things to help you perceive the words of understanding, to receive wisdom and justice and judgment. And then to just subtly, he said, even give it to the simple. I'm not trying to insult anybody here, but that's how far Solomon was, was painting the brush. I'm going to subtly even give it to the simple. Not, not in a way that you would feel ignorant or bashful or ashamed or, or downcast. But he said, I'm just going to subtly even put it in a way that even the simple can get it. To the young man, I want to make knowledge and discretion available. And so what a beginning. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, here we read the revelation of an interesting nugget, at least concerning the storyline of Solomon's life. God appeared to him in a dream, and the Lord said to him, I want you to get this, the creator of the ends of the earth said, ask what you will, and I will give it to you. And when I read that, I've known that most of my life. But when I reread that again today, I just closed my Bible and sat back in my chair and I wondered what my response would have been if the Lord had appeared to me in a dream and said, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to give you. Well, that's a broad request coming from someone who could fulfill that request. <laughs> Now, if I come up to you tonight after church and say, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do for you, you've got to realize you're going to have to paint within the lines because there's only so much that I could do. But when the Lord says, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to give you. And so I just wanted to imagine what would happen or how I would handle that. And so how would you handle such a question if the Lord himself just posed such a question to you? Just the fact that God would even ask Solomon that kind of question to me just speaks volumes as to how the Lord felt about Solomon. There are just certain things you wouldn't say to certain people. But there are other people that you would be a little more loose-lipped, if I may use that language. You, you, you could talk a little more freely. And so just the fact that God felt comfortable enough to say to one of his own cre his, his creation, whatever you want. That's what I'll do. And so Solomon's response to that is given in verse 9. He said, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. Wow. You had the world at your fingertips and God at your beck and call. And Solomon, who was just appointed as the king of Israel, said, this is what I need more than anything else. I need an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may be able to discern between good and bad. 
Now that's a wow moment for me and if I could say something without sounding sacrilegious, I think it was a wow moment for God. Amen. And I'm just keeping that in the brackets of our own human thought. In other words, Solomon, Solomon said, what I really need most is wisdom to lead and guide the people that you have appointed me to lead and guide. So the Bible says that God was pleased with Solomon's request and so pleased was the Lord with his request that he granted him far more than just wisdom. The Bible says in Kings, 1 Kings 3, verses 11 through 15, I'm not going to read that, but if you read over that, that is a, the record of the Lord's response to Solomon. And in essence, here's what the Lord said. I'm not just going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to make you the wisest man that has ever lived or ever will live. As a matter of fact, I'm going to add to that. You didn't ask for riches, but I'm going to make you the wealthiest man because I would say that a man that could be trusted with that kind of request from the Lord could certainly be trusted with riches. And so he said, I'm going to make you the most wealthy man in all the world. And so God used Solomon then. Not only did he give him wisdom to lead Israel, not only did he give him the ability of, uh, of substance, but the Lord also gave Solomon the wisdom and the forethought to write down a few things and pass that on to us. And now because of that, we're able to sit here tonight and warm our hearts over some powerful truths. And so when you have wisdom, you really hold the key to almost anything. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And when you're seeking something in your life, whether it's direction, uh, whether that's natural direction or spiritual direction, certainly I would think at the center of our heart and our lives and our thoughts would be the fact that we want to find somebody that knows how to exercise some wisdom here. Amen. Not just knowledge, because a lot of people have the know-how, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to weave that know-how into life or into practical applications. So we need somebody that's knowledgeable, but we need somebody with wisdom. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed listening to, and I say this term very respectfully, but I've always enjoyed listening to older people talk. All my life, all my life, I've, as long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, and I, I really don't think it was just being nosy. I think there was just something inside of me that just loved to hear adults talk. And when my mom and dad would send me to bed, as many nights as I could get by with it, I'd crawl back down the hallway just out of sight, and I'd just lean up because I just enjoyed listening to elders talk. To this very day, I have that same... I stopped crawling down the hallway, by the way, but to this... <laughs> I no longer feel that's necessary, but, but to this very day, I still enjoy just hearing some of our elders talk. And because I am a preacher, I'm certain that that's what creates a certain appetite in me to hear older preachers talk, but I just love to listen to them talk about what the Lord has done in their life and their ministry through the ages. And I'm telling you, I can lose track of time. They've got me as long as they want me as they're talking about the good things of the Lord. And so here is Solomon. He, he realized that if we're ever going to gain anything out of this, something needs to be written down because if we can just get our hands on this thing called wisdom, it's so vital to so many aspects of life. And so he said the principal thing then is wisdom. So when you're getting something, get wisdom. For instance, if you have wisdom, you'll not only be able to make a little money, 
but you'll know how to keep it. Knowledge can help you make money, but wisdom can help, wisdom can help you keep it. I met a man several years ago, probably almost 25 or so years ago. I met a man many years ago that, that told me one day, not in a boastful way, he just said it kind of in a sad, matter-of-fact way. He said, you know, in my lifetime, he said, I have literally made millions of dollars. And then he went on to tell me, he said, my problem is, is I know how to make money, I just don't know how to hold on to it. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that will fall into that category. And so wisdom will not only help you make a living, but it will help you put a little something back for a rainy day. You, please be seated. <laughs> if you have wisdom, you'll be able to make and develop lasting friendships. You know, it's, it's unbelievable how many people we meet in the course of our lives. How many people that, that even we may call a friend for a season of time. I've certainly had seasonal friends, and I'm not just talking about fair weather friends. We've had friends for a season, people that, that God, we feel like, brought into our lives for a particular period of time. But wisdom will help you make and then develop lasting friendships because, you see, that's what we really need. We need a few lasting friendships. You're not going to have a million of those, but we certainly need a few of those. And so wisdom, wisdom helps us to understand that when we meet someone, that that's somebody I need to pull into my life because they have something that I need. I don't mean that in a greedy way. And I, I've met people in my wife. I've shared this with her before. I remember, um, I, I think I've even shared this publicly with brother, about Brother Trey Davis. I met Brother Trey Davis many years ago and, and it, was, it was as casual of greeting as you could possibly get. It was after a church service and, and uh, another mutual friend of ours introduced us and uh, just standing there talking, there was just something in his heart, in his spirit, something about the way he spoke. I said, I want to know, get to know that man. That's a person that I need in my life. And I just felt like, I felt like that. And uh, when I had a conversation with him much later, I told him that. I said, I feel like the Lord has, has brought us together. It, maybe it's just for a season, but I want to have the wisdom to know how to make and then develop that kind of friendship. And you've got to cultivate friendships. Isn't that true? Amen. If you have wisdom, you'll know what to say, and you'll also know when to say it. Because sometimes we can speak a good word out of season, and then it's all for nothing. And so wisdom helps you to know what to say, and then also tempers you to know when to say it. And I'm sure this list could go on and on. But Solomon is saying that when you have wisdom, in some respects you really have everything. So if wisdom is so critical... Where do we get it? How do we find it? What do we do in order uh, to, to pull that into our lives? And so Proverbs 14 and 12 says this, There is a way which seemeth right unto man, unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way which seemeth right unto man. And we've all faced those things. It just looked like the path of least resistance. This is what we could do. But the end, the scripture says, thereof are the ways of death. And so we, I've used that scripture as, as a catalyst just to make this point. We need to be very careful where you shop for wisdom. <laughs> I, I remember Brother uh, Joe Osborne sharing a story with us one time about his pastor many, many years ago. His pastor was showing some of the young men around the church 
a new watch he just bought. And he said, now I want you to look. He said, these, these young guys just gathered all around him and, and uh, they were looking at that watch. He said, it's a Bulova watch. And he said, where'd you get it? He said, I bought it from some guy in downtown Indianapolis. And the closer they got to looking at it, it didn't say Bulova, it said Bolivia. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> be careful where you shop for things. Be careful where you shop for things. And so, uh, my wife and I were at a jewelry store many years ago, and she was looking at a, a wedding band. I don't think it's the one she's wearing tonight, maybe, but uh, she was looking at a wedding band. And, and uh, so, while we were talking, we had been to another store that sold many things. In addition to what they sold, they also sold jewelry. And so while we were standing there uh, looking at, at this particular ring, uh, we were kind of just talking among ourselves. Remember this? We were just kind of talking among ourselves about, yeah, but, you know, over at such and such, you could get this for such and such. And, and so uh, the, the sales representative that was waiting on us, and I don't think, I certainly don't think this now, it was just a sales boy. He said, you know what? If you want jewelry, you need to go to a jewelry store and not somebody that just specializes in everything under the sun. And there was a lot of wisdom in that. There was a lot of wisdom in that. And uh, so we need to be careful where you shop. And so I would dare say that the Bible is certainly the best source. Some people say, let your conscience be your guide. Well, let me tell you, that can be very dangerous because the Bible talks about people who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. So I, I don't want my conscience to be my guide solely. I, I, I think I understand uh, the general idea of what people are talking about, but I think maybe David was using and alluding to the proper use of our conscience when he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so David was saying that God's word must inform our conscience. <laughs> and so we want, I want his word to be the influencer of my conscience and I want God's will to, then to be the guide for my conscience in order to make it safe. I don't want to just trust in what feels right at the moment because there have been many things in my life that felt right at the moment that proved to not be right. And, and I felt that little hint, that little something that says this is not right and it didn't make any sense, but later I found out. And so it's imperative that we remember that things are not always what they appear. Everything that glitters is not gold. For instance, a way of living which uh, maybe seems today leading down a path of success and wonderful things and going to bring nothing but happiness into our lives, it may just result in nothing but pain and suffering in the end. And so we've got to look down the road and how is this going to affect us for the long haul and the long term. You know, we can do anything for a day, a couple of days, a few weeks, maybe even a few months. But how is this going to affect us in the long haul? And so when we get our wisdom from the Word of God, that's a safe place and we can go there and it will prove to be right every time. If there were only one place to look for wisdom, I would say this. Let's just go to the word of God and put all of our trust there. But you know, there are many sources of wisdom that we can glean from. There are many trustworthy sources of wisdom. I think the Bible, of course, is the centerpiece of it all. But wisdom from the Hebrew is the knowledge and the ability to make right choices at the opportune time. The literal definition, the ability to make right choices at the opportune time. The consistency of making right choices then is, is an indication or is a tell-all sign of maturity and development. 
And so I want to just share with all of you that are sitting here tonight that, that I believe for the most part I'm looking at a wise congregation. And there may be an exception here or there and I'll let you try to figure out who those are. I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But we have to look back over our, the track record of our own lives. And this is a, a principle that my wife and I have practiced for many years when we have to make serious decisions. I mean serious decisions. We sit down and we look back over other serious decisions we've had to make in our life. And we've graded ourselves not on some curve in our favor, but we've graded ourselves. Is, is this all right? Uh, this is not Boyd night. I'm just, I'm just sharing a principle that, that I think that when we look at people that consistently make right decisions, and you know what? There are people in your life, or if there are not people in your life like this, you need to pull a few of them into your life. But there are probably people in your life that have a track record of consistently making right decisions. You don't say they make every decision right, but there's a consistency to that. And that is an indication of maturity and development. Somebody that learned how to, to be educated from even poor decisions in their life. And so that consistency of making the right choice is an indicator. According to Proverbs 1 and 7, the prerequisite for wisdom is this, the fear of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so when we fear the Lord, when we fear the Lord, not as in afraid, but that person that seeks wisdom diligently is also, he said, going to receive understanding. God's going to open that avenue to us when we get our mind and our heart condition right. The Bible says in Proverbs 2 and 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And so the Lord's going to anoint our minds and our hearts and our lives. The advantages of wisdom are too many to name one by one, but I, I want us to just look at a few. The Bible in Proverbs 3 and verse number 2, 3, and 4 just lists a few advantages. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Leave that scripture there for just a moment. He said, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And so it's important to understand that we need a good report. The Bible talks about, and I know he's specifically talking about one thing, but I, I think we can take away from that that we need to have a good report within and without. And so I think that's speaking, I, I know what Paul was addressing, but I think that, that that's a principle that we can all apply to our lives. And so if everybody here just thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread, but your landlord thinks much, much differently about that, then you have a good report within, but you don't have a good report without. And we need that balance in our lives. That's right. And so we need that. Or you can turn that all the way. All the, of course, turn that around. That everybody out there can just think you're all of that. But people that live with you and know you more diligently than them know a whole complete different side. And so I, wanna, I want to have that favor of God 
within and without, in the sight of God, in the sight of men. And so in order to gain wisdom, we have to develop first a desire to follow the Lord. I have to first want to follow him. Therefore, we have to deal with the attitude of (laughs) self-reliance. I got this, I got this. I got to follow the Lord wherever the Lord leads. It doesn't matter how comfortable the camp of Israel was. When the cloud began to move, Somebody had to start prying up some tent stakes and folding up all of the camp. And so we're like, well, we just got here. We just got comfortable. We just got the lay of the land. I mean, this is my favorite place. It doesn't matter. The cloud's moving. And so when the Lord moves, then I can't rely on self. I gotta rely on the Lord. I have to deal, to follow the Lord, I have to deal with the spirit of pride. Absolutely. We all have a spirit of pride that we have to deal with. And I say, Lord, I've got to relinquish that. I've got to lay it on the altar and tie it down if necessary and sacrifice that to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 5 through 7, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord, here's that scripture, is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We would say it like this, there's just some people you can't tell anything. They already have the answers, they've already got it all figured out. And while you're trying to issue instructions, they're just nodding their head and they're not listening to anything, they're shaking everything out. That's right. It's obvious that the benefits of wisdom are so many Well, let's just talk about a few. Wisdom gives us an accurate perception of life. And so sometimes, especially when you're young, in our younger years, I mean, the least little thing can happen, and it just really rocks your world. It turns your world upside down. And you're glad at that moment to have people around you that's got a little time behind them, and they're grounded, and and, uh, they're rooted in something, and they can help you realize that there's a different perception. There's another lens of life. Let's look through that lens for just a little while. One translation of Proverbs 2, 9 and 10 is this. It says, if you listen to me, you will know what is right, just, and fair. You will know what you should do. You will become wise, and your knowledge will give you pleasure. Amen. So there's truth and wonder in the power of his word. Wisdom also prevents us from engaging in in behavior that can be self-destructive. We need the wisdom to, to... Abort those things out of our lives. Proverbs 12 and 2 says that wisdom will deliver thee from the way of the evil man and from the man that speaketh froward things. And so I've got to be careful that I don't give myself to destructive behavior. Verse 16 says, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Wisdom. I lend myself to self-destructive habits. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 3 and 23 in the Message Bible. He says, you travel safely and you'll neither tire nor trip. Or another word for trip is stumble. You're going to travel safely and you're not going to tire nor stumble. Wisdom will prolong us. It, it just gives life and energy. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Then if we look at the, the 16th verse of that same chapter, it'll be on the screen there. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. And so I think it's safe to say that when the scripture talks about riches and things of that nature, 
The Lord doesn't always measure that in dollars. But we, we, can, be, uh, we can be rich and wealthy in, in things like knowledge and wisdom and many, many other areas of our lives and disciplines that we may even talk about. We can be rich in those things. As we develop wisdom, we'll enjoy a life of peace. The Bible talks about Proverbs 3.17, her ways are the ways of pleasantness. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Wisdom, wisdom can do a lot of things for us. Wisdom can give you confidence in every situation. Mm-hmm. When something goes wrong, everybody can't panic. Somebody has to keep their head. Somebody has to exercise some wisdom. Amen. And so in that moment of question, in that turbulent situation, God can give us wisdom for that situation. Now, I realize that that's a very big statement, but it's true. To be clear, I'm not talking about arrogance, self-confidence, but I'm talking about that quiet confidence in God that God will anoint us and show us what to do in that particular moment. I was reading this scripture and my mind went to the incident that Brother Bobby Gibson shared with us some time ago about being in the, in the line at McDonald's and the lady behind the counter uh, just, just fainting and, and he had presence enough, uh, presence of mind enough to just step behind the counter and start praying for her. And so the Lord can give you confidence in whatever the situation may be. So... Uh, Proverbs 3 and 26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So the Lord is our confidence. We're not, I'm not talking about arrogance or being cocky or, or, or just so full of ourselves, but, but the Lord can give us the wisdom that we need for that moment and it can keep us safe. And so he said, The Lord, it will be thy confidence. And, and if the Lord is your confidence, he said, It'll keep your foot from being taken or it'll keep your foot from slipping. And so you can stand confident on the word of God and what God places in your heart to say. Wisdom can keep you safe. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 6, Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Proverbs 4 and 6 from the Message Bible, and I just the Message Bible is just a, a paraphrased Bible, and so I like to read that every now and then. Proverbs 4 and 6, the Bible says, Never walk away from wisdom because she guards your life. Love her because she keeps an eye on you. <laughs> and so wisdom, wisdom is that ever-watching eye. And so we pray for wisdom in that just right situation. Don't let me speak out of turn. Don't let me act out of turn. And so I need to w- wisdom. I don't want to walk away from wisdom. I want to realize that she's guarding my life. She has her eye on me. Wisdom can bring precision to our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 12, When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Wisdom helps us to exercise that that presence of mind to know how to walk with God, to walk consistently with Him, to always be with Him. Wisdom helps us to exercise caution when it's necessary because sometimes you need to be careful. You really do need to be careful. Proverbs 8 and 12 says, I dwell, I wisdom rather, dwell with prudence. In other words, for prudence is 
foresightedness or forethought. I dwell with forethought. I, I dwell with foresightedness. Wisdom says I'm going to look down the road and not just answer you right off the cuff. I've said this for years, and if the Lord will continue to give me breath, I'll say it for a few more years. You need to be careful when you present a real complicated situation to someone and they just right out of the gate tell you, well, i tell you what I'd do. I mean, if they've got your life's peril figured out in under 30 seconds, you may want to pause. You've lost 30 nights consecutively of sleep. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, like a rabbit out of the hat, they've just got some divine answer. You need to be careful about that. And so wisdom will help us to operate with foresightedness, to be able to look down the road far enough to say, wait a minute, there, there may not, uh, that may not have been the best thing. And sometimes the very first thing that crossed my mind wasn't the right thing to do. So I mentioned all of these benefits because I wanted to create an appetite in all of us to reach after wisdom with every fiber of our being and do whatever we can. I also want to make it clear that wisdom is available to everybody that wants it. Again, I'm going to read a passage in 9 and 12 from the Message Bible. It says, Live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life and life will mock you. <laughs> yes. Live, wise, live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. But if you mock life, life will mock you. Because no matter how tall or bulletproof we feel at certain points in our life, if you keep living long enough, you're not always going to feel that way. And after a while, life will be the mocker. And life will say, aha, you can't do at 70 what you were doing at 20. I told you so. Life will mock. Life will mock. And so according to Proverbs 9 and 10, we start on the path to wisdom by putting God first. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The wisest thing that we'll ever do is give God a place, the, the place that he rightfully deserves in our life to make room for him at the head of the table. The word fear literally means, or literally translated, means respect. And so we, we respect the Lord and I want him to have that place in my life. I want him to speak first. I want... Uh, when, when respect is, is operating in our lives, we put others before us. You're going to put somebody you respect ahead of yourself. When I was, uh, my first few years of growing up in the ministry under Brother Tummins' uh, leadership, uh, he, he taught several things that just drilled in, in my head about respect and respect for elders and respect for older ministers, and, but elders period, but certainly older ministers. And he would always say if we're at a church somewhere and we're having a special service and, and there's, there's padded chairs on the platform and there's metal chairs on the platform. He said, you be in a metal chair. Out of respect to everybody else, you be in a metal chair. If there's not enough chairs and somebody has to stand, you be one of the ones standing. Amen. And so uh, that, that fear, uh, that was respect. That was respect and reverence. That verse gives birth to another great question. Then how do you apply that reverential respect for the Lord. How do we work that into our life? I think the first step is found in Hebrews 11 where the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. So we've got to exercise faith in our life. So if you believe that the Lord exists and the Bible says that he rewards those that diligently seek him, then we've got to respond. I don't want to lose anybody right here, but let me tell you that you can't just hear the gospel. You've got to respond to the gospel. As many as receive the word. 
Amen. There's got to be that response because the scripture talks about even Jesus in his earthly ministry that, that there were times that he raised the dead and opened blinded eyes and raised the lame and all noted miracles that we have of Jesus. And then there are other indicators that says he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. And in some places, no miracles because of their unbelief. And so it takes a response. And so we've got to respond to the gospel. You can't just hear it. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in his name for the remission of sins and receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we can't accept God's wisdom just in parts or portions of his word and then reject it in other portions of his word. We've got to take the whole thing. Amen. Do you know what? When you married your companion, you married their entire family. That's the truth. Good, bad, or ugly, you married their entire family. And so we can't say, well, I'm just going to snatch you up and move you to some desert island somewhere, a deserted place. No, no, no. Well, I need to move on because I feel a real, real sense of resistance to that, but it's the truth. And it's, you, you just can't have a little bit here and a little bit there, and I don't want this, I don't want that. It's part and parcel to it all. And so we can't accept God's wisdom in parts and then reject it in parts because after you've experienced his saving grace, then we have to start giving the Lord lordship of our lives. This is what I want you to do. This is what I'm going to call you to do. This is the service. This is where I would like for you to serve. This is what I'm prompting you to do right now. And you know, uh, we have to allow his spirit to take control and then we have to regard or respect what the Lord wants us to do. That's the truth. You know, in all reality, to a great extent, that's exactly what happened here last Wednesday night. In all truthfulness. Prior to our service beginning, Brother Grayson asked me, as we, as, just as we were walking to the sanctuary, he said, would it be all right with you? We have a project that we're working on. Would it be all right with you if, if I mentioned that at the close of our service? I said, absolutely. I didn't know what that consisted of. It didn't matter to me at that point. I don't mean that in a cavalier sense, but I trusted them being here or they wouldn't have been here. So it didn't matter to me. I didn't know what the, the, the need was going to be. But at the very end of that service, he's talked about their air fear that they need. I felt in my heart instantly when he said that, this is what we need to do. Not showboating, not climbing on the fence to crow. This is just what we need to do. And I began to just pray and ask the Lord for some confirmation. I want to feel some confirmation about what I'm feeling because if this is truly you, I'm not going to be the only one to feel this. And I just felt, I'm not talking about people looking at me and winking and nodding their head, but I just felt, <laughs> I just felt in my spirit, this is the right thing to do. I, I'm, I don't know how uh, exactly to do it at that particular moment. Then I remembered he said something about a donation box, and so that's how it was presented. And you know what? In just minutes, that was all taken care of and done. When we got home from church that night, my wife, as soon as we walked in the door, she said, you know, I knew I knew that was what we should do the instant he said that. And then before just very much longer, I started getting emails and text messages before we even went to bed that night. The next day, I continued to get emails and said, you know what, we felt the very same thing. We felt the very same thing. And so what happened last Wednesday night was this, is that the Spirit of the Lord prompted us and we as a congregation regarded the prompting of the Lord and that need was met and more.
And so isn't the Lord good to us? Amen. Thank you for your response in that, by the way. And so um, I'm believing that the Lord just took control and we had regard for his spirit. But why did that happen? I think one of the reasons, of course, was that they had a need in their life. But I think possibly the other thing was the Lord was just testing us. Say, so you going to sit on it? Are you going to give it away? Amen. And so, in closing, and our musicians are coming, let me address how we can use wisdom in our daily lives. I think we have to begin with our faith and trust in the word of God, of course. We have to believe also in consequences. The Bible says, the law of the harvest, the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Many times that verse has been packaged in a negative way. You know, you're, you're going to sow destruction, you're going to reap destruction, and that is true. But that passage is also a passage of promise. That whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I love to quote old brother, Elder Brother Barnes when he said, Gentlemen, you never just push one bean in the dirt and get one bean back. That's not how God works. You push one bean in, but God gives you many beans back. And so we've got to have confidence in the law of the harvest. Solomon said it this way in the 27th verse of chapter 6. He said, Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? No. There's consequences. There's consequences. And so Proverbs teaches us that we can count on the consequences whatever we do, whether that's good or whether it's bad. Proverbs 13 and 11 said, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Amen. I want to read that same passage from the Amplified Bible. I didn't think to tell you this, Sister Edith, but I'll just read it from the Amplified Bible here. The Bible says, Wealth not earned, but won in haste or unjustly or from the production of things for vain and detrimental use such as riches, will dwindle away. But he who gathers little by little will increase his riches. Now there's many things I think that could be brought into that. The Message Bible says this, that same passage of Scripture, this is more in our language, easy come, easy go. <laughs> a man who just stands at a, at a, I've never gambled, and I'm not saying that boastfully, but I'm, I am thankful for that. I've never gambled literally. But a man who just stands at the end of the table and rolls the dice and wins $10,000, he has no trouble at all saying, well, let's roll them again. Because it didn't cost anything. It didn't hurt anything. And so I think we can clearly see this fulfilled statistically uh, even in the nature, in the day that we live in through things like the lottery and other forms of gambling. I can promise you this. It has proven to ruin more people than those it has helped. One, one fellow said to another fellow, he said, hey, you are just so lucky. The man responded, he said, you know, I've noticed the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> little by little, here a little, there a little. Knowledge enough to get it, wisdom enough to hold on to it. Amen. And so we can use wisdom every day in our lives by learning from examples. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be walk, shall be wise. 
but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So you need to inventory, I need to inventory who I'm walking with. You walk with fools and you'll be foolish. But if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. Because experience is a great teacher. And I will say this, there is no need for all of us to step in the same hole in the road. If somebody steps in it and puts a sign there, we ought to have the good sense to walk around it. And not just say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. That's just them and their day. That's another generation, another time. But experience is a great teacher, and so we've got to learn lessons from that. We should open ourselves to learn from others, especially from people that have gone down similar paths that we walk. Corinthians says there's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. So that means somebody has already walked down this path. And so when I meet somebody that's walked down a similar path, I need to listen to them. I really need to listen to them. And we apply that in our daily lives. We've promoted and provided the means of reading through the Bible. I mentioned this earlier. But we've promoted that and provided means of reading through the Bible as many years as I can remember. And if you're not doing it, I want to just say this tonight. You're robbing yourself. I've always said that this is not a contest to see who can read through the fastest. We don't do this for bragging rights, of course. We do this because we understand the value of hiding the Word of God in our heart. And so if you're not systematically, currently, if you're not systematically reading through the Bible, I want to challenge you to do something. I'm not going to ask you to start in Genesis and try to catch up before December 31st. I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. Start reading the book of Proverbs. Just start there. There's 31... Proverbs, you can read one a day. It's not a big task at all. And let that word just seep in your heart and realize how relevant it really is for your life. The word will make a difference in how we live day by day, and there's a reason for that. And that reason is found in Psalms 119.11, and that's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. You've got to have it in your possession to hide it in your heart. It's not going to fall out of the sky. I've often said if, if you're going to get the word in you, you've got to get in the word. It's not going to jump off the table. We've got to hide it in our heart and let that word just be in us. I mentioned a moment ago the various forms and all the venues we have today for listening to the Bible. Most people who have smartphones or tablets of any sort, computers, we have the ability to just stick it in our ear and let it roar. We're almost without excuse. Let me back up. We are without excuse. We are without excuse. I mean, I don't want to say this as this is a part of my daily reading, but there are just some nights when I can't go to sleep. I just, just plug in my little earbuds and just start the Word of God. Because I can't think of a better thing to go to sleep on than some powerful promises just being pushed into the veins of my spirit, man. Amen. Let's stand. I've taken a little extra time tonight. Let's stand. Would you make an altar where you are? Would you let the Lord touch your heart? I pray, God, that your spirit and your word would challenge us this evening. We're on a marked path. We're on a true endeavor to be a better people.
Lord, we want to be changed from one generation to another, from year to year. We want to be able to look back and see improvements in our life. We're not satisfied with status quo, but we really need your anointing. We need your anointing. We need your word. And in order to get that word, we've got to hide it in our heart. And I pray, Lord, for your strength. I pray for your spirit to anoint us now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And make it right. Oh, Jesus, shine down on me. Let your word speak to me in the night. your word speak to me show me what I've never seen before I want to be a witness you can take what's wrong and make it right oh Jesus shine down on me let your word speak to me in the night Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Thank you for strength in our bodies. I thank you, Lord, for presence of mind enough and the desire in our heart to be in your house. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to let this word come alive in our heart far more than just ink. Oh, God, let it just become a living principle that flows every day in us. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your help and your guidance. And I'll carefully and cautiously give you the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.